listeners, this is MuseCast 14, your podcast for everything roleplay in the world of Eorzea. I'm your co-host, Remix Sakura. And I'm your co-host, Emmy. And we're coming back from a really successful series of episodes in which we covered not only the big, bad, infamous Balmung server, but got to talk to people who are doing roleplay in FF14 in places where you might never have expected the small servers, the innumerable everybody else. And I'm very proud that we did because we wanted to help to amplify their voices and just let people know that they really do exist. And no matter where you might make your home in the game, there are always going to be people like you. And it's just all about finding them, right? Right. So now that people are on the server of their choice, we decided that it would be a good idea for them to figure out how to get involved. And so today we're going to be talking about in-game roleplay events, whether it be hosting your own or just attending one as a guest. Yeah, in many ways, events can form the bedrock of a successful RP community on any server. Certainly, there are a lot of events going on on Balmung every single day, every single week, and that's part of what makes that community so strong. It's just that there's so many opportunities to get out and get involved and meet people. Now... If you have decided that Balmung isn't for you, which many people should be able to decide for themselves, whether they want to start somewhere small or they just want to stay where they are, our hope is that people should be able to RP no matter where they are. So if you find yourself on a smaller server and you just don't know how to meet other people or see if there's any interest in RP on your server, events are a good place to start. If you look and look and look and you just can't find any events, you may decide that you want to lead the charge and actually start up your own. You know, if you feel like an RP community doesn't exist, sometimes it's up to us to just create them. And hosting a roleplay event is definitely one way that you can do that. So what exactly is a roleplay event, though? Well, roleplay events are a sort of social gathering held at a certain time, a certain place, on a certain server. But... Unlike other events that you might see, like just general raffles and things, everybody is in character. So using the chat functions or party chats, some way or another, you are acting in character and at the same time interacting with other characters as you all experience this event together. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. And as we touched on in the last episode, there are already certain in-game social events that might be happening. A lot of free companies, for example, mine, might have a starlight party or on the holidays, maybe something else in conjunction with a seasonal event. But we're all just going as ourselves, like the the humans. There's no obligation to actually stay in character. Whereas if you're at a roleplay event, you're expected to go as your character, which is, of course, different than you, the human being. Right. And so what being at a roleplay event does is it sort of requires you to improvise because you are experiencing this live, really. Yeah. You don't really know what the other person is going to say, and because they aren't the person behind the keyboard, behind the computer monitor, or PlayStation 4, or what have you, (laughs) it really helps you, in some cases, to build your character, because you can end up in these crazy situations that you might not experience in your everyday role-playing environment. There are so many different people who are around that, you know, who knows what sort of scenarios you can find yourself in. Yeah, whereas role-playing on like a Tumblr or a Highland role-player's forum, 
you're doing it in more of a creative writing format. And while your replies might be short, you get the luxury of having a little bit of time to think of a reply. But when you're doing this live, it's just like you are physically out at a bar or a party. When you go out, you know, assuming you do leave the house once in a while <laughs> to a birthday party, let's say of your friend and someone asks you a question, you respond instantly when you do this in real life. And your character would be expected to do the same, just like it's a natural conversation. But because you're not there as yourself, sometimes you have to think, what would my character say in this situation? How would they react? What would their answer to the question be? And it kind of has to come from the gut. And that's why it's such good practice, because by doing this completely extemporaneously, you just start to feel the natural vibe of like what your character would do in such and such situation, because you don't have so much time to think about it. And then that allows you to more effectively participate in more complex situations later on, because your character is developed, because you get to see those sort of sides of a character, maybe, that would occur under more spontaneous yes, conditions spontaneous. basically exactly yeah yeah it helps you develop your character and even if you're also role-playing in more like a creative writing format where you get to think about your replies and it takes a little bit longer doing rp in game at events like this is a nice compliment because you don't get essentially what feels like homework <laughs> like don't get me wrong i really enjoy rping but sometimes i'm like oh i gotta reply to this person and then i gotta write a start starter for that person but sometimes it feels like you have homework <laughs> whereas when you go to an rp event you get to have that in character experience and you don't come home with like oh okay i have to write something to follow up with this i think i agree with that and the reason being because when i write things in more long-winded text formats like i they get to be lengthy I like writing out all these descriptions and things like that. And at roleplay events, you don't really get to do that. But at the same time, there's a sort of conciseness that makes it fun in its own way. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, part of that conciseness, I think, comes from being able to use slash EM and the different emotes to express thoughts and feelings. Now, on, on places like Baomong, it's a little bit different because I've seen a lot of people use slash EM to begin full paragraphs of things that include dialogue and description and things like that. But it tends to be more outlining the actions of people rather than being able to, in places like forums and Tumblr and things, express the thoughts that are going through somebody's head in a given moment. But it really depends on the character, because with Nanamo I can do that. With Scoot, I can use the default emotes and completely express whatever my character is thinking at a certain moment because of just how blunt he is and how how simple the character is. Overall, I would still say that there's... Because there's not as much time, because you have people waiting on you at that moment for you to reply, my posts and whatever dialogue occurs tends to be a lot shorter than what I would use if I were role-playing on any other sort of medium. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. When I use slash EM with, with Natsuki, it's basically almost always just the words that he's speaking out loud and occasionally some kind of gesture, like outward appearance and very, very occasionally inward thoughts. I don't really like to use slash EM as like a start of a creative writing just because I think that the in-game roleplay experience is more about that like short, obvious, external interaction. And I'm not personally in the habit of using slash EM to start 
what looks like a paragraph of a novel because <laughs> it's just I just don't want to think too hard about what I'm doing. I want it to be spontaneous. I want it to just come out naturally and be more quick. Yeah, and I think that's the general feel that people do anyways. Um, you don't really have the time to plot out what's going to happen in a moment. And so just writing big, long paragraphs, sometimes it happens. But I think on a whole, it's still very short and sweet. Yeah. So primarily, when you're at RP events, you're using your chat functions, you're using your emotes, you're using slash em for custom emotes. What you're not doing is anything that the game lets you do, but isn't really in character. For example, you're going to a party at so-and-so's house. Are you going to ride in on your mount on yes. their lawn? Yes. <laughs> My character would. He'll ride yeah. in on his, his adamantoys or his uh, pegasus or whatever it happens to be at the moment. But And just trample all over their lawn? Yeah, I mean, he'll apologize <laughs> after if he damages anything, but... Yeah, not so much of a problem when the event is going on inside a house, but let's say you're at an outdoor event at Bronze Lake. Everyone's meeting at the hot spring. Like, don't take your Magitech mount and then start spamming explosions at everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unless that's actually part of the story you want to create, like killing everybody. Uh... <laughs> Those poor people at Bronze Lake. Yeah, whereas, for example, if you were out of character, and like, me and my free company are always spamming explosions on the lawn. <laughs> because we're not trying to create a realistic scenario. But at a roleplay event, yeah, things like mounts, spamming attacks, being in queue for duty finder, also kind of rude. I mean, if you leave a party, just disappear in the middle, and you're like, oh, sorry, guys, I had to go to Balesar's Wall in the middle of this party. I don't think the host would appreciate that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, now that said, you could probably get away with just, like, coming to an event and observing it out of character. Yeah. You know, if you're just watching people interact and things like that, that's probably completely fine as long as you aren't causing a big fuss. But if you are in character, like, you don't want out-of-character things to really come between you and the event. Yeah, yeah. It's quite common, whether you're new or just new to the group, to come to an event and just say, hey, I'm not going to come here in character. But in that case, you kind of just quietly sit in the corner and observe and just make sure not to disturb anybody. You probably don't want to sit there and craft because that makes noise. <laughs> you don't want to sit there and, and spam things. You just 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 actually be that quiet observer. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to sort of get introduced to the roleplay community if you are especially new to roleplay. Um, just go ahead and watch and see what people do, and I think it's a good way to sort of learn common roleplay etiquette, maybe, and how to how to write. In some cases, just kind of take tips from from people and see what they do that you like and see what they do that maybe you aren't so fond of and you can work your role-playing style around that. Yeah, totally. As we touched on in our very first episode, Intro to Roleplay, a good first step is always just to observe other people, whether it's on Tumblr, on forums, but also in-game. And, and things like the RP status are useful, even though I don't think it's used super consistently as a really hard rule. Like, there have definitely been roleplay events when I know somebody's in character, but they just don't throw their status up, but everyone just kind of knows. 
But in case you want to draw that explicit line, people can choose to throw up the RP status for that reason, if there is any confusion. I would definitely say that RP events have a different character on the small servers versus the Balmungs. Yeah, I would sort of agree too. And the reason that I would say that is because on Balmung, for example, because there are so many people that are there, you are allowed and you are able to sort of filter who comes and who you want to invite. Whereas the roleplay communities on smaller servers, there aren't as many people there. So you might end up having to make an event that appeals to more people, as opposed to making it available only to a certain type of character, or base it around a certain particular theme. Like, for example, I've seen an all-Amigan resistance group on Balmung that has events every so often where you just... You can talk, you can spar, you can plot how you're going to overthrow the Garleans in Alamigo and things like that. Whereas on Lich, maybe there aren't quite as many Alamigan characters. So having an Alamigan resistance meeting, the attendance might not be quite as, as uh, much as you might hope. A big difference that we've seen ourselves and also learned while doing research for this episode is that in a big RP community, you can afford to basically hold events that hold a certain niche. Now, those can be really, really fun because if you are a character of the Alamegan Resistance, that's a big part of your character. So meeting with compatriots is going to be a lot stronger of an experience. You'll have, just have so much more in common. It's like going to a party where people have the same interests as you. Whereas I don't think I've ever seen anything like that on Gilgamesh or Lich. When you hold an RP event on one of those servers, it's like we need every role player on the entire server to show up because there's not that many of us, you know? Right. And that doesn't mean that the experience is going to be any less. It's just, you know, you have to keep in mind who you really want to cater to and who you are able to cater to based on where you are. That said, one incentive that I've seen for people to attend is to host events that are in character but still involve some sort of contest. So that way people are more willing to go there. So yes, you can roleplay, but you can also win prizes. Yes, both in-game prizes or even Mog Station credits. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. I would say that another difference that I've observed on Balmung versus everywhere else is that even small Balmung events can have really high production values, such as housing units decorated just for that one event. And as far as prizes, it's only on Balmung that I've seen people give away out-of-game prizes. What do you mean by that? Like Mog Station things, or...? Yeah. Actually, I've seen a couple of events, namely the Murder Mystery Night that we did, <laughs> where we gave away some oh, yeah. Mog Station items. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, but that sort of thing, I think... The reason why we did that was because we had gone to a contest. It was like a melon crushing contest over on Balmung, where they did something like that. The winner of the event ended up getting, what? A Far Eastern dress. Yeah, Far Eastern dress. And it's something that we've seen on Balmung that we've sort of emulated on the smaller servers. And I think doing that has provided an incentive for people to actually show up and learn about role-playing in some situations, but also, you know, because the people are interested in coming to the event for the prizes, they get to meet 
the other role players on, in this case, what is a non-roleplay-centric server. Yeah. If you're having trouble or just want to boost attendance for your small server RP event, giving away stuff for free never hurts. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> and even though events on smaller servers, whether you're holding them yourself or it's another person that maybe is trying to get things started, it will be more difficult and you won't have as many attendees, especially at first. I think they're important to hold, not just so you yourself and the other role players on your server, which I'm sure are there, they exist. <laughs> they do. Not only does it let you find each other, but if you put some publicity into it, maybe on Party Finder or by holding it in a public place, you'll let the other players on your server know that, yes, roleplay exists here and it's really quite normal and it does not fit all those saucy stereotypes that people are associating with it. Yeah, really. It, in some ways, I think helps people because when you know that people are roleplaying on your server and... When you have people actively role-playing on the server, it helps to keep you busy when there's not a whole lot else to do. Especially during like times like now, when you have a whole lot of your story done until the next expansion. You have raiding at this point where it's, you know, a lot of people have completed A12S. Or people who want to upgrade armor have largely done that. And so what else is there to do? And so even if you have role players attending a certain event, you have more people who are logged onto the server. And when you have more people logged onto the server, you have people who are like, okay, well, I'm here, so maybe I'll just do a roulette. Or maybe I'll do something just super quick. And what that does is it helps to keep the server active. And I think that's great. You know, you have a different way to engage with the game that's not completely content-based. It's not developer-generated, but rather the players of the game are making the game fun. Yeah. One thing that I hope they understand over at Square Enix headquarters is that supporting RP in the game helps their bottom line because I feel like role players are the least likely to ever let their subscriptions lapse because they're bored. Because we just get less bored. Now that you say that the dev team should support role players, I'm just reminded of, you know, when you met with Koji Fox of, and oh, yeah. talked to him about the role play status. And you were like, oh, thank you for the role play status. And he said, you have no idea how long it took for us, like for me to convince people that we should we should have this thing. Yeah, I I am very glad that at least we're thought about. <laughs> yeah, it never fails to warm my heart for all the like 10 seconds I talked to Koji Fox. <laughs> Man, wouldn't it be cool if we got Koji Fox on the show? Uh, says every FF14 podcast ever. Yeah, but we're the ones focused <laughs> on roleplay and lore yeah, and Koji, things please. like that. Koji, please. If you're listening, <laughs> please come on to our show. We would love to talk yeah. to you about it. Yeah, but good for the bottom line, as in role players are less likely to get bored thinking there's nothing to do, but we just have more fun. We stay engaged in the game. And even if we're signing on just to do an event, you're just more likely to say at that point, let me do a quick roulette. There are just more people on. Maybe you are reminded of something else you wanted to do. Just by logging on, this is true of any sort of digital entertainment. Just by logging on, you keep the engagement. It keeps it top of mind. Rather than just like forgetting that FF14 exists for a few months. Rather than thinking there's literally nothing to do anymore. And it also helps you socialize. Because there's a big social aspect 
to MMOs, but especially if you sort of become friends with the people on your server that are role-playing. Right, and it's those friends who you can end up going to events with. While we're on this topic, let's talk about the things that we would recommend if you are going to attend an event that's going on on your server. Yes. Number one tip is bring a friend. <laughs> yeah, do it. Because when you have a huge group with you and you try and keep a plot going in between them, it sort of overpowers the whole thought behind smaller events especially. And hey, worst case scenario, if you have a friend with you and things go absolutely terrible, at least you have somebody you know there and you can role play with them. Yeah. So because everybody is role playing using essentially a public chat, which everybody else can hear, everybody's conversations are basically able to be overheard. So even if it's just you and your friend role playing with each other, everybody in the room in the vicinity can hear what you're saying. And there's a chance for your conversations to cross pollinate and for somebody to jump in or for you to jump in in somebody else's conversation. And that's how interactions get started. Whereas in real life, it's harder for people to overhear each other and for them to cross pollinate their conversations. So if you attend an event and you do end up hearing something over say chat that you might feel like your character can jump into or that piques your interest, it is important to be proactive and to be brave and to be a little bit more outgoing than you might be used to in real life. But of course, it's also important not to be too pushy and read the signals that you are or are not welcome into a conversation. Now, really, if someone's RPing publicly in an event, there's no reason why they shouldn't invite you in, but people will do whatever they want. And you may get a signal that you would need to back off. They just don't want you participating in whatever they're doing for whatever reason. Yeah, and it should be noted that not everything in character is going to work out great and everybody's going to get along. And there's a difference between your character's interaction going badly and somebody not wanting to roleplay with you in a given moment. For example, I was attending a bar night that was being hosted. And there was a character, actually we mentioned him in the last episode here at the very end, our contest winner Ganondorf, who does not like children whatsoever. And, you know, my character didn't know why, but of course, Scoot being Scoot decided to go and try and be friendly. And they continued talking and things, but it turned out that they got mad at each other. And Ganon got mad at Scoot because Scoot tried to give him a nickname and he didn't like it. And then Scoot got mad because Ganon wanted to fight him. And so Scoot was like, okay, I'll tank you. <laughs> you know, I'll go and fight you. But that's sort of different from going up to somebody and trying to get into a conversation with them. And they just like either ignore you or they, for example, might ask you to go away. Or leave them alone for a while. And in that sort of case, I think it's pretty much common courtesy to pay attention to what they want. Yeah, and it should be noted that when we say something piques your interest or piques your character's emotions, that always doesn't necessarily mean in a positive way. It's totally okay to pick a fight with somebody in character, but still, there's ways for you to tell whether the other person is interested in interacting with you in either a positive or negative way, or they're just not interested at all. An interesting phrase that I like to keep in mind is the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of hate is apathy. So 
if you try to interact with another character in either a positive or negative way and you get no reaction or something that's very lukewarm, that's probably a good signal that they don't just feel like interacting. But if you go up to them in a positive way and get a positive reaction, or if you go up to them in a positive way and you get a negative reaction or you know, negative to negative, by responding in any way, that's an invitation to interact. Remember, this is a lot like improv. So whatever reaction you get from someone else, you can probably take as an invitation to engage. But just remember that this is in character. This isn't real life. Sometimes we want to pick fights in character because that's fun. So I would say gauge people's willingness to interact by the strength of their reaction, not necessarily that the reaction is always positive, if that makes sense. It does make sense to me. I hope I hope you, dear listener, will understand it too. <laughs> yeah, it does take some getting used to. For example, in this interaction, which Emmy described, like Ganon is being kind of mean and, and just seeing, seeing how he was at the last event, like he's kind of mean and is kind of a prick and actually made everybody's jaw drop with how insensitive he was. He does not like Scoot at all. He absolutely hates Scoot. You know, but then we see, you know, Ganondorf again, like in the world or in Discord, and it's just like, there's no beef. This wasn't us that was fighting. Yeah. You know, we were fighting for fun in character. You know, who says that out of character, you can't be like good friends with this person, even though your characters are rivals or, you know, that rivalry could be one of the most interesting things you do with the role play. Yeah, that rivalry could end up developing one or both characters. Yeah, totally. As far as etiquette rules that I've noticed for attending events, there are a couple that are sort of unwritten. For example, one thing that is almost universally understood is that when you're attending an event in character, you turn your walk speed from run to walk. Yeah, I know on PC, like you press the slash key and your, your character starts walking at a more like normal pace. And there's a reason this is colloquially called the RP walk. It's because it is a normal person's average walking speed, whereas your default setting for your character is really more like a jog. Well, because you want to get there quickly. Yeah, or you're sprinting everywhere. <laughs> Fun fact, because of Stormblood, they're going to add more movement speeds, but not on the slower end, just on the faster end. But when you go to RP events, most people walk around in everyday life, right? Yeah. You don't see people <laughs> sprinting everywhere. I mean... Maybe you do sometimes if they're in a rush or if they're very enthusiastic about something, they can rush up to somebody. But for the most part, it will tend to suit your character, generally speaking, of course, just to move around at a walking speed. Yeah, it's one of those just finer details of immersion that if you pay attention to, they really just help the experience. Yeah, it makes things a whole lot more realistic, I think, by using that walk in RP events. Yeah. So don't forget the RP walk. Oh, here's another thing which has gotten me a few times relating to immersion. So if you are playing a character in the universe of Eorzea, you're no longer playing a video game. That's why you don't run. That's why you don't use your mounts or spam your abilities or queue for duty. It also means that there is no UI in your character's universe, which gives you the names of everyone you meet above your head. <laughs> <laughs> so if your character is interacting with someone they never met before you have to keep in mind that in universe you don't know each other's names so you would actually have to go up to them and ask their name or overhear it from someone else you can't just go up to them and say hi like scoot patoot which i just read above my ui i would have to be like hi what's your name and then scoot is like scoot's like i'm scoot patoot the biggest baddest <laughs> tank <laughs> yeah 
it really gets some people. But again, it's like one of those finer details of immersion. And I would say that because it does trip people up a lot, if you know that you're holding an event in which a lot of people are new, a useful workaround would just be to say, okay, I as the host, I'm going to give out name tags to everybody. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. One time my free company did a roleplay event and most of the people there, while they have an idea vaguely what roleplay is, they weren't too experienced with it. So I suggested to the host, just pretend everybody is wearing a name tag. But even then, you might do something in Slash EM that says, Slash EM reads so-and-so's name tag. Because in real life, there's sort of like this physical action of like looking down at it and reading and like saying, oh, so your name is must be so-and-so. Well, except if you're Scoot Patoot and you have really messy 10-year-old handwriting. <laughs> yeah, and then in that case, you might still have to ask for a name. But like, I don't think many people would... Uh would really come across that in everyday life. <laughs> yeah, but it's a finer detail to think about. Like, what if your character can't read or write? That's true. Yeah, if your character's illiterate, that makes things tough. Yeah. Name tags and names are just one of these finer details to think about. But even then, you see how we're bringing these in-character things into it. Like, okay, Scoot could be wearing a name tag, but his handwriting is messy. So-and-so could be given a name tag by the host, but they can't write. So... How do they spell their name? Yeah. You know, what will they tell the host? Yeah. So the more details you have about your character, the more you can just bring these unique things into everyday interactions. It's just all about imagination and having as many defining details of your character as possible. I'm sure there's a lot more little details about attending events that we're forgetting. But hey, the best way to learn is to just go over and do it. Hopefully there is something going on on your server, even if it's just a very, very casual get-together. However, if you really feel like you've looked everywhere, you've asked around, you haven't seen anything in Party Finder, and you feel like there's no roleplay events, and you think, God, I gotta start something up. I gotta be the first one to do it. I gotta bring all the roleplayers out of the woodwork. You want to produce your own. Well, congratulations. <laughs> and good luck, because you're gonna need it. Hosting a roleplay event takes a whole lot of work. Having hosted one myself, it took a good amount of planning and weekly meetings and everything like that. But the thing about hosting an event, thankfully, is that it has the potential to be really rewarding. If you have a lot of people who attended and had a good time and they compliment you, it's such a great feeling just knowing that you, you helped make somebody's day a lot of fun. Absolutely. I mean, for everything that you put into it, you're going to get so much more back and it's going to be spread across so many other people. Like strong communities have to be built sometimes on the efforts of a few people who are willing to put that time and work in. But with enough effort, you're going to inspire other people to do the same because you're going to spur their imaginations too. And yeah, you're right. The murder mystery night we did was one of the most complex ones I've been involved in, mostly because we had to write the script for the murder mystery. It's almost like just doing game design and thinking about all the contingencies. And it took it was a group effort on the part of our small free company. But it was it was so successful. I was actually surprised to learn later that this was like one of the biggest RP events that Lich has ever had. Yeah, that was so that's crazy. <laughs> the turnout was great, though. And I, I was, yeah, surprised it was like 20, to... 20, 30 people. Yeah, huge for a tiny server. I mean, now that said, it was my first event there. And if I could do it again, I probably would have gotten a little bit more help. I should have gotten some sort of tips from people who had done it on other servers. Yeah. So the first tip for producing an event is also bring a friend. Get a friend to help you. 
Yeah, doing it alone is very tough. And you can always find someone else that has been involved in events before to give you their experience and their tips. Because it's almost always harder than you expect, especially the first time. Yeah. Actually, one of the hardest things that we we faced when we were coming up with our event is what sort of event should we do as our first event? And so we went through a good number of things that we were considering doing, like a date auction was one of them, or I think we were thinking of like a simple raffle at one point. We, we still might do a date auction, but the Imeric of our group is offline for a little while. And I'm like, well, if we do a date auction, we have to have Imeric. So it'll, it'll be like, See, we'll get the biggest price. <laughs> what I was thinking was, if we want to get the Crucible involved with this, <laughs> what we could do is have Melva be the host, and then they could say that those Lemonsons are involved in a human trafficking ring. Yeah. <laughs> and the mastermind behind it all is the Admiral herself. Gasp. <laughs> it sounds like a terrible idea, which means for the Crucible it's a great it's idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, but when we were when we were deciding this, this was very tough for us. You know, what are people going to do other than talking character? There are a lot of people who do bar nights, and that's one thing, but they still have a theme to it, you know? It's a bar. Why are the people there? To drink, to have fun. And so you need to decide that beforehand, because when you have a coherent theme, like, people know what they should be doing, generally speaking. The sort of etiquette that are involved, and what sort of characters are going to be there, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I would recommend that if you are holding an event for a small or very new roleplay community, that you make the event as structured as possible with as many events and activities as possible. Because people are going to have a really hard time, if they're not experienced with RP, just talking to each other, and you need basically icebreakers. I think that casual get-togethers work best with people that are experienced with roleplay and are familiar with each other and each other's characters. Just like you can have a party with your friends that's just you hanging out. But if it's a bunch of people you don't know, you want icebreakers. You want activities that you can do still in character. Just to provide opportunities to start conversations. So common activities you can have at your party. We did a murder mystery night where we used a clue style script and gave everybody roles. We had to decide what the clues were going to be, where they were going to be. And this was really complex. And even though I think it was really successful in the end, it did take a lot of work in planning that. We won't go into too much detail about how specifically to run that kind of game here. But other things I've seen are trivia contests, where you can use in-universe trivia, perhaps. Scavenger hunts, where you might have to find a person or an item somewhere in the world, in any zone. Or even dice roll games using slash random. For example, the fight night that happens on Gilgamesh uses slash random to do their fights. And the watermelon crushing event that we attended, the winner was actually determined by slash random. You had to get a, a, a number above a certain level to advance to the next stage and, and people would get eliminated. Um, at this fight night, a slash random actually determines who wins the fight. Based on whether your attack, let's say, was successful or unsuccessful, you have to first you generate your number and then you write the scenario based on that. Yeah. And these things are insanely popular, even on big servers like Baomung. Um, they have things like the runestone and the grindstone, which are, you know, dice roll games. 
same same thing you were talking about combat based and there are you know consistently i don't want to say hundreds of people but there is a lot of people yeah I actually thought that was very interesting when I saw Fight Nights being held with Slash Random because it's almost like it makes makes the whole thing more fair, you know? Because how else are you going to decide who wins a fight? Like, who's stronger? It almost makes it so that no one can ever be so overpowered like we had discussed in our Godbotting episode. <laughs> yeah, really. And I think those sorts of events... I mean, each different type of event is going to have its pros and cons. And I think with these types of events where you have more game-centric events are very good if you have a roleplay community with newer people. Yeah. When you have casual get-together things like the bar nights, you have more of a slice-of-life sort of feel where what people do is not action-based and there's more of a focus on socializing with each other. And with those sorts of events, it works best when you have people who know enough about roleplay and know enough about each other to spontaneously interact. And so yeah. so when you have a more inexperienced general base, it's really a good idea to have some sort of general plot line. Yeah, something to spur people on and get them going. And it is up to them from that point on to push themselves to be more in character, to interact, to react to each other. But you as the host should do as much as you can to get things started and provide a structure. Yeah, I think when you have those structured events, that sort of paves the way for more casual get-together events to happen. Yeah, hopefully events become a regular occurrence and people get to know each other more and they get more comfortable. So after you decide the theme and structure for your event, you're going to want to decide on an appropriate location. There is a lot of things that happen in open world areas and there's a lot of things that happen in housing zones. Of course, each option has pros and cons. Let's say you don't own a house or an apartment. You don't have any housing that you can decorate to host people. You can choose an open world location. Of course, one of the many bars and taverns of Eorzea, the Bronze Lake Hot Springs. You could use the stages. I see Mikoto's amphitheater being used a whole lot for different events. But what that does is it allows people to look in on the event that's going on. And that can work out in your favor, especially if people see that you have roleplay statuses up. They'll know, oh, we're roleplaying. Hey, I want to join in on this. And they can. Yeah. Just imagine the reactions of surprise that you'll get. If you're on a small or average-sized server, and suddenly in a public place, there's a whole group of people close together that all have their RP status up. That might be a rare occurrence, but the more it happens, the more common roleplay will become on your server, the more people will notice, and it's like free public advertising. Right. Now, on the other hand, when you have an event in an open area, that allows for anybody to come in and join. And that includes trolls, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. The same thing will also happen if you use Party Finder to advertise your event, which, honestly, if you're starting from scratch, is probably the best way to advertise. You run that risk. Yeah, and it's disappointing if you're just getting started to feel like instead of attendees, you're just getting trolls. But eventually, you will find friendly role players out there because they do exist. Or you'll get people that are interested and just want to try and will say, hey, I'm new. Is it okay if I come anyway? To which you reply, yes, of course. Yeah. On the other hand, holding your event in your housing area 
can be a ton of fun because you have an excuse to go crazy with interior decorating. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love interior decorating, especially if you have the crafting ability and if you have the money. Like you can transform an apartment even into a very themed area and that's so great I think when people come over and they see this wonderful themed area that's fine and good if you are on maybe a smaller server where housing is easy to come by but if you happen to be like us on a server where the housing market is savage <laughs> it's not easy and you might have to play aggressively in order to get a hold of the house and not everybody has that much gill. That said, it's possible that you could still use space. For example, if you have an FC room in a house, see if your FC is okay with you holding events there. Or you can see with your FC leaders if they're okay with you holding an event in the house itself, if you could temporarily decorate an area for an event. Yeah, make sure that they lift the guest restriction, even if temporarily. You could also invite folks into your FC room if you've got that thematically decorated, but still they're going to need to get in the front door. <laughs> Apartments also on most servers are still generally pretty easy to come by. And even though it, it takes more skill and talent to transform an FC room or an apartment into a really nice space, it can be done. Yeah, and the results I think can have a pretty good effect on what people think of the event if you theme things. Now, another pro of using housing for an event is that you do get that privacy that you wouldn't otherwise get if you were holding it in a public area. Now, this does make it a little bit tough for people to find out about where the event is, but you eliminate that risk of trolls by holding it in a housing area. Yeah. One of the coolest advantages of using your housing area for RP is that if you have the permissions set correctly and you're able to invite in guests, you could create a space that people can use even when there's not an event or even when you're not online. Right. I've seen certain apartments, and in my case, my own house, where they list, like, you can roleplay here, roleplayers welcome. And so people can just go in and use it for whatever purpose it happens to be. In my case, if they want to buy a cake, they can buy a cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Over on Gilgamesh, the closest thing we have to an RP ward is Goblet Ward 3. <laughs> and in that apartment building, I had Natsuki create essentially a banquet hall. What I wanted to do was hold dinners where I could feed everybody or where he could feed everybody. He could have lots of people over. And around the holidays, we talked about the Starlight Banquet that we held. I crafted all this in-game food, and it was actually quite nice. We had a lot of people come over from the teeny tiny Gilgamesh RP community. And even though, yeah, like, I'm stealing an apartment even though I have a private house, by having it there, I felt like I could actually do something cool for this really quite small RP community. And I would love to do more, absolutely. It's just, it's just time, you know? Yeah. What I plan on doing now that I have a bakery is I'm going to be holding a tea party um, for a friend of mine. It'll be a pretty private event in this case um, because this is a friend of mine who is leaving the game for an indefinite amount of time because of real life things. But because we were able to theme it as a bakery, like I wouldn't be able to have held it really anywhere else. Yeah. Bakeries and cafes and restaurants are some of the more popular RP spaces. I know when I was browsing the other apartments in Goblet Ward 3, there is a fight club and bar 
a storage room for a shady merchant's guild and a summoning temple for summoning evil spirits, which had like a, it had like a, the miniature dreadworm in it. <laughs> so anytime you or your friends need to summon things from the void, they just go over go to, to your Goblet War right, 3. Yeah. yeah. Or you need to punch somebody in the face <laughs> or, you know, hide a body. Just because it's a housing unit doesn't mean it has to literally be a house every time. You can use your imagination to transform it into whatever will help support your story or support the world that you and your friends are creating. So let's say you've got the theme for your event. You've got the space. The last thing you're going to need to make it successful is people. Yeah, really. How do you get people to show up? Because if you have only a couple people, like you can have fun with a few people. But if you don't have anybody there... Like, all that planning has gone to waste. You will be very sad and discouraged. Right. So you have to get that event out there somehow. That's how we found a lot of successful events run, is they have good promotion campaigns and they get their names out there somehow. Yeah. And this is why the community building on every server is so important, because everybody should be knowing what everyone else is doing. And if you really, really don't know anybody, if you're really, really starting from scratch... Go with Party Finder. Even people that hold events regularly may still use Party Finder in order to get new blood in. And again, just ignore all the trolls that send you tells and engage the people that do send you curious messages. Invite everybody at first, just see how it goes. You know, keep the Party Finder up for at least a week beforehand, whenever you are not doing anything else. Just keep it up. That's basically the message board. It's the cork board for any given server. That's where you advertise things. Yeah. And it's important that what you advertise is pretty clear, too. You don't want any confusion about where to go, when an event happens to be, things like that. If yeah. people can understand what your event is and where it is, then I think you're pretty solid. Yeah. You want to put a lot of thought into how you write the description, both on Party Finder and if you want to advertise it online or outside of game. You want to be really clear and descriptive and kind of plain, I would say. Not that it's boring, but don't use, like, don't use really fancy language. You don't have to write anything like crazy and metaphorical. Just say, we're having a party to do X and Y around A, B, and C theme. It's here at this time, at this place. Don't forget the important relevant details. Make sure that this space is accessible to everyone. If it's in a housing unit, make sure there's guest access. If it's in an open world unit, keep in mind that new players or low-level alts cannot go into any Heavensward zones. For example, there was a really nice event on Balmung that I wanted to attend. It was in Ishgard, and my Balmung character is still, like, level 35. So you could not go. Yeah. If you're trying to start something on a small server, I would say avoid the Heavensward zones just to get as many people in as possible. And if you don't get a lot of response from Party Finder, you're probably going to want to head to the internet next. And how you advertise things online is going to be really important because the internet is always the space where there's a million things for people to look at and pay attention to. So the better your marketing is, the more chance that you'll have not only more attendees, but a better image and brand for the RP on your server. One way you can go about achieving that I think, is to design a flyer for your event. Yep. Just using some kind of eye-catching material 
that will grab their attention. Yeah. I mean, if you can have a friend who is good at that sort of thing throw something together for you, great. But having even any kind of flyer that's not beautifully designed is so, so much better than no flyer. One thing that I noticed when I was looking over the Balmung RP Events Calendar Tumblr, which is the hub for finding all of Balmung's many, many events, is that 90% of the events had flyers, and most of them had really, really nice flyers. Like, it took some skill and some finesse. Some of them even have custom illustrations. Now, we've talked about how everything on Balmung has higher production values, <laughs> so don't get too intimidated, but just understand how far good marketing can go. And that goes into the design, the copywriting, how you describe it. So I would say, put some care into this, even if you have to recruit some help. Really finessing the marketing, just like in real life business, it really goes a long way and it makes you look good. It makes even people that may not even be on your server, take note. Like, oh yeah, they're doing this thing on Lich. I know I'm not even, I don't even know where Lich is. Where, the, where is that server anyway? But God, look at this nice flyer they did for Murder Mystery Night. I designed the flyer, by the way. <laughs> You know, like people, it'll make people raise their eyebrows. That said, to encourage more of you out there to advertise your RP events on non-Balmung servers, we at MuseCast came up with the idea to start up something called the Community RP Calendar. So there's the Balmung event calendar, but we know that RP happens on every server. So we wanted to create something that could serve the rest of the community. We think that Balmung has all the help that it needs to promote its events. So what's really needed is a way for everybody else, the rest of us, to promote themselves. So this week we did the first inaugural edition of our community RP calendar on our website, musecastxiv.com. And we had some submissions of events that are happening on our home server, Gilgamesh. Now, of course, we want to include as many non-Balmung servers as we possibly can. So now that we've got things started, we are looking for you, the listeners, to send us your tips. Let us know what's happening on your server. And again, hopefully, after this episode, you will be encouraged and empowered to start something on your own. And then you can share it with us. <laughs> yes, yes. So if you don't remember how to get in touch with us, just go to musecastxiv.com, head over to contact, send us all the information you have, whether or not you are the organizer. If you are not the organizer of the event, we would appreciate also the contact information of the organizer, preferably out of game, because if you send us something for, let's say, Mateus, since we're picking we're picking on them a little bit for being so oh, tiny. I was, I've had Cactuar <laughs> in my head all day. I want to go with yeah. Cactuar. Okay. If you're sending us the info for an RP event on Cactuar and you say, for more information, send a tell to so-and-so on Cactuar, well, we don't have any way to contact them. <laughs> yeah, we don't have characters on there. And unlike a certain somebody who we interviewed, we don't have 24 characters each. <laughs> yeah. But no matter how small the event is, we want to hear about it. And we want also everybody else to hear about it. We want to not only get more attendees for your event, but just promote the idea that RP can happen everywhere. Right. And while we wrap up this episode here, we would like to thank a bunch of people who came from everywhere, really, to contribute to this episode. We used a lot of what they said in our episode notes. So who exactly contributed to this episode, though? So our friends over at The Crucible. Now, when they contributed to the Google Doc, the username was just The Crucible, so I don't know which one it is. But one, one or both of you wrote some tips about events, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, we also got 
a contribution from West Oteco, I think is how it's pronounced. If I got it wrong, I apologize. Uh, from Club Crescent, which is located on Baomeng. Yeah, it's a really, really nice space where they have a lot of events and have been doing it for a long time. Yeah. We also got a long contribution from Nariko Star from Sargatanis. Um, and Nariko runs the Love Love Star Maid Cafe over there. Yes, it is an enormous, long-running RP event that is so big it can only happen once a year. And unfortunately, we miss it this year because it happens around Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But hey, maybe we can go see it next time it goes on. Yeah. And then our final contributor for this episode was Morgana Brown from Lich, who runs Silver Valkyrie Events, and I believe they do a semi-regular maid cafe over there. Yep. Thank you again, and we're so glad to see so many people outside of Balmung having success with their roleplay communities. And Balmung too. We Yeah. We are really thankful for all the all of your points of view of what it's like to run and attend and everything. That said, we know that Balmung has a very, very high standard and quality and variety of events. So we're really, really happy to have gotten contributions from people who really, really know what they're doing. And that about wraps it up for our coverage of in-game roleplay events. We hope that you've learned a lot and are super pumped for the next party that's going to happen on your server, even if you're going to be the one putting it on. (laughs) (laughs) We hope that you feel that it's possible to create a community where there is none, created from scratch, and be able to have all this fun in character, no matter where you live in FF14. So, there has actually been some stuff going on lately. Here's the part of the show where we tell a story about some things that have been going on with us in-game, RP-related or not RP-related. For example, there was an event on Gilgamesh that was just kind of a social event that happened recently, right? Not an RP event, but just a get-together. Yeah, it was sort of a get-together. And I mean, when I go to events, I sort of stay somewhat in character with how my character interacts. But this particular event that went on was more of a social event than anything, and not really anything roleplay-centric. This particular event that happened on Gilgamesh was a Cherry Blossom-related event. There were a lot of things that went on in this event. Initially, when I came to the event, I thought it was going to be a simple glamour contest. This glamour contest had two different categories. There was a Cherry Blossom-themed glamour, which was more of an original sort of glamour. And then there was a cosplay portion, actually, where you could dress up as somebody from a TV show or an anime, a video game, anything like that. And it was a whole lot of fun to do. But then in addition to that, there was an auction where you could buy certain services. For example, somebody offered a day where they would be your personal tank or crafting services, gathering services, anything like that. And in this particular event, though, I decided that I was going to go and cosplay as, I think it was Kane from Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And then I threw together my Cherry Blossom outfit maybe in 10 minutes. (laughs) But somehow my character still ended up winning the Glamour Contest. And so Scoot was crowned Queen of the Cherry Blossoms. (laughs) Aww. To which Allie replied, you do know that's going to go straight to her head, right? Aww. (laughs) But it was a whole lot of fun. And 
I think this sort of relates to our event episode theme. So I thought that that would be a fun little story to share with you guys of just throwing together glamours and taking part in a glamour contest. And yeah, it was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Wasn't there another cosplay event that happened a couple of weeks ago also where Scoot was dressed up as a certain android? From another That's popular right. video game. Yeah, Scoot won another Glamour contest <laughs> right before that. There was, I think it was a general Glamour contest from what I remember. But that was but in character, right? That one, yeah, that one was in character. And so Scoot and Allie decided to dress as 2B and 9S. And so I dressed up my little Lalafell as this character from Nier Automata. And... Yeah, we ended up winning that one, too. (laughs) So thankfully, there is another Glamour contest that's going to go on in May, but I'm hosting it. So I'm I'm not going to take part in uh, probably the next couple of Glamour contests just because I've been wiping the floor with Glamours. (laughs) Dominating the Glamour scene. But there are some ideas that you can garner from these more general purpose events. For example, if you don't have any in-game prizes... Giving away services would be perfectly fine, I think, for an RP event. Yeah, you're right. Giving away services is good. Or, and I guess this is a tip for how to win glamour contests, a very good way to get points with the judges is to come up with a good routine. Tell a story through it, or in the case of the Cherry Blossom Festival, I did like a whole dance routine with music. And glamour contests are fun. I love them. (laughs) And it's a good way in this case, to even roleplay while you're doing it. Yeah, everybody loves Glamour. It's, it's universal. the true endgame. <laughs> <laughs> even though our slogan is roleplay is my true endgame, Glamour is also important, I guess. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, my story follows up on a story we were telling in a previous episode having to do with the search for a house on the Lich server. Ah, yes, that. (laughs) Yeah. So even though this is a small server, which isn't exactly housing savage mode, to get a place within a specific ward is still not going to be easy. So even though we really want to be part of the RP ward, the only way we were going to get a house there is if someone else let theirs go idle. Now, we received a tip, basically secondhand, from someone that seemed to be, at the time, willing to let their house be demolished. So much so that they forwarded us the time from their email from Square Enix when it would be demolished. I mean, yeah, it was the middle of the night, but still, we were so keen on getting this house a medium in Miss Ward 9 that our little free company all got together in the middle of the night (laughs) to house camp. So what ended up happening, though, as it turned out, was that we waited until the demolition time and the house did not go up for sale. Um, We were a little bit confused, but then it turned out that the owner had logged on. And we were all speculating, well, why could this be? Well, it turns out that the lead, the person who we got the lead from did not let the owner know that we were trying to get that house. And the owner wanted to keep the house, didn't realize that. And so we camped out there, the house didn't go up, and that was it. We didn't end up getting the house that we thought we were going to get, even though we had that lead. Such a shame. However, if you would like to continue. However, now that our free company was homeless, we were free to purchase a new plot 
if one happened to come up and it was actually Emmy that was just doing her thing as Nanamo and noticed an empty plot in Goblet Ward 11. Yeah, I think it is Ward 11. So we're like, oh, let's get this. This is available now. We actually demolished our old house. So <laughs> so we set up there and start to browse the neighborhood and notice something curious with the neighbors. Now, keep in mind, our free company is called the Sultan Sworn. But the neighbor's placard. Right next door to us, mind you. Indicates that their free company is called the Syndicate. The last syndicate. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and the house plot was the syndicate's lair. Ooh. So now the Sultan's Sworn are right next to the syndicate <laughs> yes, by complete in, chance. In the goblet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we're going to be spying on them in secret. Don't tell them. I mean, the, the monitorists are really the only ones we need to look after. But But yes, now that we have the syndicate next door, we can... Maybe spy on them. <laughs> yes, watch your back, Lolorito. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little disappointing in the end, but it goes to show you how tough it is with housing in FF14. And especially when these communities come up in these very, very specific places, there's just really no way to get a house in a specific ward. I mean, it's hard enough to get any house at all, but if you want to be somewhere in particular, it's just really luck of the draw. Even on a small server, I guess the difference would be is that if this were on a bigger server, there would have just been no chance that we would happen to see another plot open for months, you know? I think that we'll probably try again once Shirogane housing comes up, seeing if anyone from that ward moves away. But in the meantime, it's it's an interesting coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, awesome. Now, there was another... Now... This week, also a very special date passed for MuseCast on April 27th. That is the day in 2016 when our very first episode was published. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, happy birthday, MuseCast! Yay! Yay! We are one year old. We are still Let's a eat baby. cake. Let's. <laughs> actually let's conclude this episode first and then we can eat cake yes we'll share the cake with our listeners like slash em shares cake with listeners right if you want to <laughs> share cake with us you can find us on our website which is www.musecastxiv.com you can also listen to more of our episodes on itunes stitcher and google play we also have a facebook page just look up musecastxiv and we have a Twitter, which you can find at MusecastXIV. We are very creative with our names. <laughs> Consistent. Right. I like to think. And if you like what you heard and you want to give us some cake, you can consider <laughs> donating to us. <laughs> Either a one-time donation on our PayPal. All you need to do for that is just go to our website and click on the shiny blue and purple buttons, I believe. Mm -hmm. On the right-hand column. And you can find our PayPal, or you can donate to us on a recurring basis on Patreon, where, among other things, you can get access to our episodes before they come out, and also get access to bonus content, all the things that we wanted to talk about but didn't have the time to get to. Yes, bonus content has been accumulating for a whole year. We have a lot to talk <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah. 
you might also consider checking out our Twitch channel. That's where you can see the VOD of our one year anniversary stream, which technically hasn't happened yet. So we're talking to you from the past. <laughs> and also on Sunday nights, I remix Sakura, do something called Storytime Stream, where I go through the main scenario for the second, third and fourth time with my many alts and replay the story, not just to re-experience it, but to give my commentary, sort of reflecting on it. I think that story and character is something that role players care about a lot. And I've really enjoyed all of my replays, so I want to be able to share them with all of you. And the Storytime stream actually served as somewhat of an inspiration for the topic of our next episode. Right. Yeah, our next episode is going to be what we like to call as altaholism. Yes, there is a disease in our community. Altaholism. We've both been infected by it. Yes, role players have an addiction to alts. <laughs> so we're going to talk about alts and why you should and maybe why you shouldn't make an alt. <laughs> well, you should make at least one, but you can only handle so many at once. It becomes a lot to manage. And there are a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons to do it. And we explore why it is so popular, especially with role players. And if you want to, how best to manage it. Some tips from people that have done it over and over and over again. But until then, we want to thank all of you listeners again for sticking with us for a whole year. And don't worry, because we have many, many more things planned for the future. So stay tuned. See you next time, adventurers. Yep. See you next time. Thanks for listening to MuseCast 14. Tune in next time when we'll be discussing altaholism. Happy adventuring, and may you ever walk in the light of the crystal.